0: Lead with empathy if you can. It's kind of like the solution is as challenging as the problem. There's no question leading with empathy is the best way to connect, build trust, and create a great culture with your team. The question is not only how do you lead with empathy, but what about the investment, the time? Or if you've never led with empathy, where do you even start? And a scarier question would be, what if you don't? We're going to talk about that right now. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity, and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Welcome back, everybody, from across America and around the world to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. So glad to be back with you. And I think, I would hope, we all could agree that leading with empathy is really the one of the key ingredients to really building trust, a great culture, really connecting with your team, really getting the best out of them that you possibly can more than just about any other skill you could have. But there's a lot of problems with that, a lot of challenges with that. And how do you approach certain things? So that's definitely one of the biggest challenges and changes in leadership. You think about 15 or 20 years ago, nobody was talking about empathy. Nobody was talking about really relating to your team. Not on a global sense. There, there, there were always... Uh, experts you know, like Ken Blanchard and so forth that, that really, and John Maxwell, got into those things. And they were right, 100%. Well, even Dale Carnegie, you read a lot of Dale Carnegie stuff that's 100 years old now. And then if everybody did that, the world would be a lot better place, certainly in business. But on, on on a mainstream level, most weren't doing those things. And so you think about right now, in a sense, you kind of have to. If you really want to keep and grow your team, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, you got to think about, can you really relate to and understand your team on a personal level? Do you even know how, I mean, you think about what the that really means and we're not really talking about sympathy here, you know, the dictionary defines empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Does this mean you try to be Dr. Phil all day? No. so. Are we just going to share feelings all day? no it's really about acknowledgement and understanding you know one of the best quotes I ever heard uh, when I talked about Ken Blanchard earlier his son Scott Blanchard followed in his footsteps in in the type of business he was in but he shares this powerful insight this quote that he had heard I want to say from somebody that worked in in a hotel that he was he was working with this group and things like that and this person told them, How we make people feel at work becomes their dinner conversations at home. Now think about that. How how well I mean you could resonate with that. Like you think about everything that's ever happened to you at work, and how as soon as you get home, how was your day? And or and it doesn't matter whether you're married or you meet up with your friends later or you you call somebody on the phone. You think about how your day went, good or bad. It works both ways, but when there's this constant negativity, when there's constantly things going wrong or constant anxiety about things not being accomplished, that becomes your dinner conversation. When you think about how many people are taking their work home with them, that is such a key component, but remember you think about how we made them feel at work. Not necessarily what we said at work, but how we made them feel that's what they're bringing home with them is that feeling and when you think about when you should be getting home and what should you be focused on you know whether it is your husband or your wife your boyfriend girlfriend your kids your whoever that that's what you should be focused on right and thinking about dinner or thinking about where you're going after that that that's the kind of thing that can get derailed because that feeling followed you home. So what a powerful quote and, and words to live by. So you really should write that down somewhere if you haven't heard it before. And let me, let me just repeat it for you real quick. How we make people feel at work becomes their dinner conversation at home. And think about what kind of conversations did you create with your team at their home and you're not even there? And is it justified, is it right, is it good, is it bad? all of those things that's what's happening when they go now you know in your gut leading with empathy in your leadership skill set is really effective that you you know if you have this skill how how much you can really move your team in a direction so think of the teams you've been on where you really felt this you know firsthand that you felt included you didn't always get your way doesn't mean anything about that, or just because you had some feeling that everything stopped and we just went along with your feeling, but you just really felt connected because overall people got what you were going through or got how you felt about something. At least you felt heard, even though maybe your idea didn't get picked, but you felt a part of the team because of that. So you know how effective it can be. So the question becomes, so why aren't most leaders doing it? I mean, the study and the data shows that it's indisputable that this works. So, check out this article on forbes.com from Tracy Brower, PhD. Empathy is the most important leadership skill according to research. And it kind of starts with the effects of stress because when we're just work, 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 and we really aren't focused on how is everyone, then you really got to start thinking about the effects of stress. So they, they looked into this, and a global study by qualdricks found 42% of people have experienced a decline in mental health recently with 67% of people are experiencing increases in stress and 57% increased anxiety and 54% emotionally exhausted, 53 people, 53% of people are just sad, 50% are just irritable, um, 28. Um Now, of course, some of these categories run into each other because that's more than 100%, but 28% having trouble concentrating and 20% are taking longer to finish tasks. You think about the quiet quitting and working at a slower pace and that might not even be consciously done. They just feel like there's just no hope. You know, if we finish something or not, there's no recognition, so why hurry? And then it says 15% are having trouble thinking at all, and 12% are challenged to juggle their responsibilities." So there's a lot going on there. And I think one of the biggest things about that, again, if you think about the work environment today versus 15, 20 years ago, where we are more likely to talk about these things at work, to bring them up, to make them important uh, on a personal lives, a study in Occupational Health Science found our sleep is compromised when we feel stressed at work. Well, you know, I don't think you need a study for that when you constantly have that feeling of did I leave the iron on or is that next shoe going to drop? That you don't know how things are going to be handled at work when things go wrong. So you start thinking about uh, you know everything possibly could be wrong. And that's the, that's the big challenge because your thoughts really start affecting your behaviors and your behaviors start forming habits, and then you start doing those things, and none of it might not even be real, but you you just overthink way too much, and the next thing you know, um, you're working in a negative space, and you really shouldn't have, because that's not what the reality of it is. So when you think about performance and turnover and the customer experience, what how much of that is suffering based on what is going on. and But on the brighter side, when you talk about empathy contributes to positive outcomes, there's a lot of great things that can happen when we really start connecting with our people in, in an easy sense. Like How do they tick and what are they going through and, and that sort of thing. So it's not just about being happy. It, it's really about finding a, a powerful connection to it. So a a new study of 889 employees by Catalyst found empathy had some really significant constructive effects. So one was innovation. When people reported their leaders were empathetic, they were more likely to report that they were able to be innovative. 61% of employees compared to only 13% of employees with less empathetic leaders. That makes total sense because you think about having that less empathetic leader, There's not a lot of room for ideas, not a lot of room for discussion and exploration of a better idea. You just do what you're told, shut up and get the job done. Engagement went up. 76% of people who experienced empathy from their leaders reported they were engaged compared with only 32% who experienced less empathy. So you think about engagement with someone is not just checking in. You know, when you think about walking by someone and saying, hey, how's it going? Well, most people are say, oh, well, I'm fine. Thanks. And that's going to be the end of it. But not engagement when you're truly getting into what's going on with them. Maybe their their kid did something amazing at the ball game over the weekend or they wound up doing something on a personal level that that energy gets transferred into their professional life and, or, or the opposite. Maybe somebody's struggling with something and somebody finally asked them about it and it really relieved a lot of anxiety and tension just for the fact that they could be talking about it. Also, retention got a whole lot better. 57% of white women and 62% of women of color said they were unlikely to think of leaving their companies when they felt their life circumstances were respected and valued by their companies. However, they didn't feel that level of value at all in life circumstances with only 14% of white women and 30% of women of color said they were unlikely to consider leaving when not, not engaged, not brought into the picture, not having things considered for what they're going through On a personal level, inclusivity, 50% with empathetic leaders reported their workplace was inclusive compared to only 17% felt that it wasn't inclusive due to lack of empathy. Just that simple engagement and understanding of people. They didn't necessarily have to come up with some interesting program or some kind of thing that come campaign. It was just a matter of the leadership engaging, being empathetic, listening. What are they going through? What makes them tick? Why do they do things the way they do them? And how can they help them? Just that alone. And then the big one, like the thing everybody talks about, work-life balance. When people felt their leaders were more empathetic, 86% reported they were able to navigate the demands of their work and home life successfully juggling their personal family and work obligations. This compared with 60% of those perceived with less empathy. And think about that quote I shared with you with Scott Blanchard, that when whatever's going on at work is going home with them. I mean, you literally would almost have to be a robot to just turn it off and say, okay, that doesn't matter anymore. I'm at home now. Or if somebody's really like that, How engaged are they really at work if they can turn it off that easy and truly just block it out of their mind and act like the bad things didn't happen and all of that. There's no way they can be that invested in work because when you're engaged at work, it really gets into you. It gets into how you feel about things and how you operate and you feel the loss. You feel the win when things happen and you bring that home with you. So when you talk about work-life balance and I don't really look at it as a balance because it's, it's a work-life equation because, and this is kind of a little side conversation, but when you think about work-life balance as an equation, meaning what do you have to give in order to get what you want and are you okay with that? So when you're talking about giving up your time, to getting that paycheck or getting that higher level paycheck. Is it worth it? Because the more responsibilities you take on, the more income you typically get, the more you're going to have to give of yourself. And are you okay with that? Where really the equation is this, you should feel great about going to work and great about going home. Like being happy to be in both places and understanding that, Hey, sometimes, You're going to have to give a little more on the work side to to get things done with what you want and things you want to accomplish so you can have that better life. But either way, you should feel good about going to both places. That's what really gives you that sense of a balance. Because when you say work-life balance, it's almost like you want to create this equality of an equal share, like an equal timeshare. And it's never going to be that way, especially if you're trying to accomplish something a little bit higher level or, or achieve something in your career or something like that. You're probably not going to make that happen, working nine to five just Monday through Friday. And that could be a higher, you know, just education on nights and weekends. It could be working on a separate project, all kinds of stuff. But either way, you're still giving to that versus just your personal time. So you can't just sit there and say, well, it's got to be equal because it's never going to be, you know, maybe when you get closer to retirement or you actually do retire, maybe you have that. But throughout the most of your professional career, it's never going to be an equal thing. And the more you try to make it an equal thing, the harder it's going to get. What you really want to focus in on is the work-life equation of do you feel good about both sides of that? being at work and being at home and that's what you can really do but there's no doubt about it that when you have leadership with empathy or you're the leader doing the empathy and leading that way you're going to get a lot more benefits out of it so again check out that on forbes.com really really good stuff so let's really address the challenges here with leading with empathy because it's easy to say You know, we could just talk to people, get to know them, ask them some questions and all of those things. But you could easily go down the rabbit hole of making it just about feelings and just about, oh, well, if they're just not on their game today, we're just not going to hold them accountable or something like that. And it's not really about that. It's just about really getting to understand them and what makes them work and knowing that you've acknowledged that again they don't get always get their way they don't always their idea isn't always picked it's really not about that but empathy it's just not who you are as a person and i mean yeah you so you think about enneagrams for example or think about why do people um do what they do and when you start getting into things like an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs or, or some of the other studies you can do, you really start to figure some things out or, or um, what's come out from the table group lately is called working genius, which is very similar to that, but it's very, it's much more related to work and it's very interesting of why people do what they do because of who they are. And that can answer a lot because you try to lead your team and of course you have goals and things like that and standards and things your company's trying to accomplish but you cannot just expect everybody to work the same way and most importantly, they don't all work the way you do. They just don't and you cannot put everybody in the same box. But what what if you haven't led your team that way or what if you're not that way? That's what I really should say here and this is really more of a typical um, situation with, you know, with larger companies that we all talk about uh, the founding principles of the company and things like that but we, we put a big emphasis with that on the exit what i call the execution level of the company you know some people call them frontline you know co-workers or, or the people who actually do the work if you will however you want to call it i happen to call it the execution level and so I have three levels, what I call three levels in any, any organization is you get the execution level, the people that actually do the work, the ones that are dealing with the customer or manufacturing the product. And then the bridge level, which is middle management. And then the, the executive and CEO level, which is the visionary level, because they're the ones you know, charting the course and deciding the culture and all that other stuff. And that bridge level in the middle, middle management, they got to put those two pieces together because they can't necessarily work in the execution level. But they're also not the visionary either. And somewhere in that inertia, just things get lost. And a lot of times, you aren't led the way you're asking to lead other people You know, when it comes to things like how our culture is supposed to be and how we're supposed to treat each other or things like leading with empathy or recognition and things like that where so many times higher level leaders look at other leaders like, hey, look, you're in management. You should just have more ownership. We know you're paid more, so you should be giving more, all that stuff, but we're all human beings and we respond to the same kinds of things when it comes to recognition or the ability to advance your career or things like that or or work on things that are important all of us respond to that or, or feeling that connection of what i did mattered to either achieve a goal move the ball forward higher sales better quality product whatever is going on but a lot of times as leaders you know middle level level leaders for sure we're not led the way we're asked to lead people that report to us and you really have to fight that you really have to break the cycle of leading the way you know you should, regardless of the fact if you're led that way or not. Uh, Talk about unintended natural bias. I know a lot of people hate talking about or unconscious bias or things like that because they don't want to admit it, that they have it or they they think they are tougher than that or whatever, but the thing is, you're not gonna connect the same with everybody. The fact is you're just going to have people on your team or in your organization that are very similar to you and you feel a stronger connection to that person because you, you like the same things, you think the same way. And it's just easy to have that relationship where some other people on your team might not go so well. You don't think the same way. You don't respond the same way. And that's why it's so dangerous to think you can put everybody in the same box because it never really works well. So you're not gonna connect with everybody the same way, but it's about connecting with who they are when you're leading with empathy, not who you are or who you think they should be or how you think they are. It's about how they really are and understanding that. And that's not to say you throw out all your standards or have different sets of standards for everybody. You're still gonna have that. But what we're really talking about here is What makes that person tick? What does that person bring to the table as far as how they work and what they can get done And trying to really understand who they are and what they're going through? So it really goes to the the heart of the third rule of winning. Do they know their daily behaviors and decisions contribute to winning? That this is where trust is is built and growth happens when they really make that connection of what they literally do every day, whether it's a decision they made or a behavior they do, that that contributes to the winning. Because I've said multiple times in multiple podcasts, there's really three rules to a team winning. First, they got to know what winning is. What, what does that even mean? Is it a sales goal? Is it a, a quality product? Or is it creating products with less default rates? Is it a customer service index? It, it just depends on what it is you're doing. But leadership's got to define what winning looks like for them. They have to at least know that. And it can't be, we're doing great guys, Oh, we're beating last year, or... It's got to be specific like what really creates it. Number 2, do they know they're winning? I know this kind of seems elementary, but but you'd be surprised. Do people even know the team's winning? I mean, they can clearly see a lot of work is being done. A lot of people are busy. A lot of people are making things happen, or at least they think they are. Or you know, I always use this example in sales where somebody talks about laying a lot of groundwork meaning they're calling a lot of clients, but they're not really getting in the door, but they made a lot of calls. I got my name out there. Well, we're gonna continue that later, but then you're looking at what their sales are actually becoming and it's not there because they aren't really achieving that stuff. They're just laying groundwork. So they, they gotta understand, what are they winning? And it's gotta be where they don't have to do much investigating because they're getting so much feedback from you that they know the team is winning or maybe it's not doing so well. But either way, there's no question because you're telling them all the time. So you gotta think about that. Number one, do they know what winning is, is directional? It's the how, the what, the where. Number two, do they know they're winning? That's informational, that's reaffirming. So number three, do they know their daily behaviors and decisions contribute to winning? That's behavioral. That is only accomplished through skills like empathy that you get on that level to get them to understand it's important what they're doing. So if you're not an expert or a big pract- practicer or practitioner, I guess I should say, of empathy, don't be so hard on yourself because a lot of people don't do that and a lot of people aren't good at it. It it is an investment. It is time consuming. The benefits are huge when you do it. You see an immediate change in your team, but don't be so hard on yourself because most people aren't doing it. So let me tell you some simple ways you can kind of get good at leading with empathy. And this does not mean people just get what they want. It doesn't mean you you just change everything because of somebody's feelings. But it really gets to the heart of, are we really connecting with people? So number one, just try to understand how they think. But why do they act like they do? Why do you? Maybe start there. You think about how you handle problems. Think about how you view the workspace and what everybody's doing why do you think the way you think is it because you've been around a while or you're smart or you know how to get the job done better than than some of the people on the team or or why do you work the way you work because there's a reason behind it and you know what the reason you do things the way you do them is the same for everybody else everybody else has that of why they do what they do and start start pondering this. Start wondering this. Start asking some open-ended questions to help you understand that with with people on your team. Another thing, it's not always about a bad situation. I think sometimes when we think about empathy, we automatically equate it to something went wrong, something was bad, something you know is a bad feeling, it's a loss, and it's not always that. It's more. It's really more about connecting with people and trying to understand where they're coming from. You know, if they're a super quiet person and they hardly ever speak, but you really need them to, there might be some reason you have no idea about that happened to them personally that prevents them from doing something like that. So really, don't always equate it with something bad. It could just be simply a whole different thing where they just didn't feel like they could contribute or they've never been led in a way that you're trying to lead. So they've never been in a situation where they can contribute. So it doesn't always have to be bad. But when you do that, don't interrogate, they, you know, that doesn't really get you where you want to go. You, know, you want to ask some things like, hey, how do you feel about this? Or hey, I noticed X made you feel frustrated, whatever that thing is. And just kind of let them talk and really start to try to understand where they're coming from. In other words, have a real curiosity about your team. You know, you, talking about backgrounds and previous lives. I mean, unless you've known these people all their lives, they could have had a whole different life before they met you. And some things that you may know about really kind of can resonate with things. Um but lastly, I want you to think about this for just a second. Could you lead like a school teacher? And I'm not talking about having class and making a lesson plan and having people turn it homework. Here's the point about leading like a school teacher. I really want you to hear. It's you, you know like it's your job to help your team grow, teach them new things, get them to a higher level and things like that. But how much would you invest in your team if you knew you had new students every year, you had new workers every year? How much would you be willing to invest or do you just get them through the pipeline? And you think about teachers that have to get, you know, a student at the beginning of the year to a certain place by the end of the year, but they know they're not theirs anymore. And it's gonna be a whole new group. You know, and that's one of the things we talk about if you don't have a great retention program or, or you got a lot of turnover. You obviously can't gain a lot of ground teaching them, but teachers have to do that over and over and over. And could you invest in your team knowing they could leave, knowing they can get promoted, knowing they can go on to higher level things because you did help them. So you start thinking that way when your team really starts getting good. Somebody's probably going to do something better or step off that team or take on a bigger challenge and you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay to lead like a school teacher that I'm just here to make them better and when they're better I ho- you know I hope they stay, but if they don't, look what you've done. You've made somebody a better person. So, start small and build your empathy habit. Get the reps in. You know, this is re- this the, the coolest thing about this is not only connects with your team and really making them come alive, but you want to talk about you. As a leader, you're going to get better as a leader. You're going to have a little less anxiety. You are going to get good at really making your team move forward. And that is something you really can't put a price on. So what did we learn today? how did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button, tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.